And good morning, church. We rejoice on this fourth Sunday of Advent, the joy that we find in Jesus Christ. We've been walking in John's prologue through the, uh, through the steps of God's revealing of himself. We've looked at the way his glory is revealed, and John so wants to show that glory to us. We have seen it time and time again as he writes here about the glory of God which is revealed. The glory which he has seen, which he has experienced, and wants now to pass on to others. And once we have experienced that glory, we want to pass it on to others as well. A few months ago, when we were looking in the, in the upper room discourses of Jesus, we talked about the things that Jesus said he came to accomplish. And one of those things was to give us the glory of God. And we spoke then, if you remember, about how that glory is interpreted through the scriptures. First of all, is the very substance of God, the weight of his being. C.S. Lewis writes about the weight of glory, the incredible substance that is God, and that is his glory come to us. But that glory is also the radiance of God, the shining of God, and it says Jesus is the exact representation of his being and the radiance of God's glory. And so we want to shine that glory to our world. And so we have seen the way that glory comes to us as we've walked through these weeks of Advent. We looked at the glory of his creative presence and how he makes himself known to us in the order and the beauty of his creation when he says it is good. And then he created us and said it is very good and put us as caretakers of that creation. And so we recognize that he reveals himself partially in that way. And then we celebrated what it means that he reveals his glory to us, his presence to us by his living word and by his Holy Spirit that brings us into the truth of that word. The light that shines for every man, he says, is coming into the world. We've seen the awe and the splendor of his purpose for us as we see that glory revealed. And last week we looked at the, the incarnate presence of God, that he has come all the way into our world and celebrate the birth of the Christ child who would then grow and live and teach and die for us and be raised to eternal glory once again, that we might share in that glory with him. The logos, the ultimate reality, has been made personal. Now I want us to look at how that all comes together for us. It's this life-giving presence of God that makes the glory personal. Indeed, at the end of John's Gospel, he writes, These things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, and by believing, have life in his name. And so we come to celebrate that life and what that life means for us. And so the why is that we would believe and have life. The how is what we want to talk about today. The order that Jesus brought out of chaos in creation also is brought to fruition in our own lives. It says at the beginning of Genesis, the earth was formless and empty, Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters and brought out this new life and brought creation and brought order out of the chaos. And so he brings order out of the chaos of our individual lives as well. We recognize that God gives us purpose when he comes into our lives. And John's Gospel is a listing of people who have found this new life who have been in the chaos and death of sin and have now been reborn into this new life with purpose and meaning and direction and hope. 
And so the question is, how do I obtain this new life? The scripture, as John gives it to us here, speaks of some things that it does not do and some things that it does. The first thing, we don't come to this new life by a bloodline. Let me just read to you verses 11 through 13 in this first chapter where we've been living in these few weeks. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent or of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And so we come to this and he says, it's not by your bloodline. Now the Jews were taking great pride in the fact that they were descendants of Abraham. And Jesus says, I could raise up sons of Abraham from these stones. Don't take pride in where you have come from. Take pride in who you are in Christ Jesus and recognize God's grace in your life. It is not the generations of Abraham, but the regeneration through Jesus Christ. So today, it's not taking pride in the fact that we were born into a Christian family or into a Christian nation or we attend a Christian church. We are not Christian because we were born into a Christian family. We are Christian only by the decision, the confession of our sins, the recognition that we need him and to invite him in and see the transformation that happens in our lives. And so it is not by a bloodline. It is not by rituals, he says. For the Jews, that was the blood sacrifice, the system that had been developed all through the old covenants. But now God says, I want mercy more than sacrifice. I want you to understand that I want you. They rejoiced in the covenant of circumcision. They rejoiced in their legalism and their good works. He said, it's not through those things that you come to know me. Bring that up to today. It is not through your baptism. It is not through your church attendance. It's not through your sacrificial giving. It is not even through your spiritual disciplines. They only put us in the position to be blessed of God. It is not those good works that save us. It is only Jesus Christ where we find this new life that he has promised. And then it is not by human efforts. It was God's design that he would set them free. Over in John chapter 8, Jesus says to the Jews who had believed in him, he says, do you hold to my teaching? Are you really my disciples? Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say we'll be set free? You see, their minds immediately went to the bondage of governments and the world in which they lived and the way they had been subjected throughout all their history. Whether it was Egypt or Babylon or Rome, whoever it was, they said, once Messiah comes, then we'll be free, then we'll be in control. But Jesus is talking about this spiritual freedom. He says, the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. That's the kind of freedom he wants us to see. And that kind of freedom is neither achieved nor maintained by good works. We must never, ever fall into that trap to think we have somehow earned our salvation by the things that we do. Salvation is by grace alone through faith. We recognize that we are saved by faith and so have come to this new life. Now, it naturally leads to good works, but it is not maintained 
or created by those good works. I'd refer you to a Bible study in, in the book of James to look about what it means that we receive it freely and then it shows in the things that we do within his kingdom. So it is not by bloodline or ritual or by human efforts. It is when we are born of God. So if the question is, how do I obtain this new life? Then the answer certainly is in verse 12, to all who receive him and believe on his name, we have life. Now to receive him has kind of lost its power in our language. We've made believing and receiving kind of an intellectual exercise rather than fully giving ourselves to Christ. It's more mental assent. But the word says even the demons believe and they shudder. It's not enough just to believe that Jesus is the Christ. It is to receive him, to welcome him in. Now in Palestine in those days, if you received someone into your home, it was more than just, oh, come in and make yourself at home for the evening. It was my home is literally your home. Come in. Everything, every resource I have is yours. They thrived as a culture on this kind of hospitality. And so when Jesus says in Revelation 3 and 20, Behold, I stand at your door and knock. If anyone will open the door and let me in, I will come into him. And there I will live with him. Jesus doesn't come in and tidy things up and then go his way. Jesus comes to stay. And so we recognize the joy of this life when Jesus abides within us. Remember, he said in the upper room to the disciples, I have been with you, but I will be within you. We recognize the fullness of his spirit and what that means to have Christ dwelling within us. To receive him and to believe in his name. Now, the name of Jesus is another thing he told us right there in in John's gospel, what he came to do. I came to give them your glory. I came to reveal your name. That is your very nature, who you are. And so now Jesus has told them, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. We recognize the unity of the Godhead in the midst of this. We believe in his name, his nature, his character, and we have taken on that name. We are known by that name. We want to live up to being known by that name. And so we recognize that all of John's gospel is all about these individuals who have had their lives turned from chaos to order because Jesus has come in to abide, to live within them by his grace. And that list of people spreads out through his gospel. There is Andrew, there is Peter, there is Nathaniel, there is, there is Philip, there is Nicodemus, there is the woman at the well, there is the man at the pool, there is his disciples, there is the group of the seventy. All of these have come to know the life-changing power of Jesus. There's Zacchaeus, very unlikely. The thief on the cross, very unlikely. The beggars beside the road, all the way through. These people have had their lives changed because of Jesus. And then we start walking down the centuries of church history and we see more and more examples as we go along. We think of Augustine who was living a horribly immoral life and was transformed by Jesus Christ. Or Martin Luther who was trapped by bondage to good works until he discovered in Romans the just shall live by faith and faith alone. It's not by these good works that I somehow please God and are worthy of being called his child. John Wesley was in the trap of living by his own efforts 
until that marvelous night at Aldersgate Street when he said, my heart was strangely warmed by the Holy Spirit. And I knew that I was his. I had the assurance of my salvation. His spirit witnessing with my spirit that I am a child of God. And John says here, that's what we are. The children of God. And we rejoice in what that means. And then we bring church history down to our century and our contemporaries. And you think of examples in your own family. You think of examples in our wonderful church. You think of examples that you have known who have influenced you. And now you are an example. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses and now we are part of that cloud of witnesses to say to our world, my life came from chaos to order, from death to life because of Jesus Christ, this one who came. And in this Christmas week, if we have opportunity to share with the people around us, here is the reason for the season. Jesus is the reason, but we are the reason he came. He came that we might have life and by that life celebrate that it's eternal life. Not just life for now. If we just had it for now, Paul says we're to be pitied above all people. But this is eternal. Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And so we have looked at the glory of God. We've spoken four different directions about this glory, but it is one glory. It is one God. It is one presence that comes to us. And it's revealed to us in so many ways. We've shared about his glory and his creative presence and we see our world and we see the order of it, whether we're looking through a telescope or a microscope, the incredible mind of God that brings forth his creation. And we are awed by the wonder of it. His revealing presence, not only that he shows it to us by his Son, but then lives within us by his Spirit who inspired the word as it was written and then leads us into all truth as we read the word. Twice blessed. It comes through to us straight from the Spirit. And now his incarnate presence. The Christ child has come. There is no glory to match the personal life that is changed. God wants us to share that good news by virtue of our own testimony by virtue of our life and living it well, living up to the calling that we have received. Angels can't even know it. It says in, in 1 Peter 1.12, concerning salvation, salvation, angels long to look into these things. It's a wonderful old hymn that says it this way. Holy, holy, holy is what the angels sing. And I expect to help them Make the courts of heaven ring. But when I sing redemption song, the angels fold their wings. For angels never knew the joy that my salvation brings. We recognize that the reason Christ came was for us. Was that we might experience this great salvation and share that great salvation with our world. Jesus said to the disciples, you hold the keys to the kingdom. You can either lock it up by not telling them about it, or you can unlock it by rejoicing every day and telling them of the wonderful love of our Savior, Jesus Christ. The angels announced his birth, but we have felt the impact of that birth. We have felt the impact of his life and how it was lived, and we pour over his teachings. 
But the word itself says it's foolishness to those who don't believe. But when we receive him and believe on his name, this becomes the word of God alive to us and within us. And so we celebrate on this fourth Sunday of Advent, this Christmas week, the life-giving presence of Jesus Christ. We'll join again on Christmas Eve as we live stream here from the church, as we celebrate together what it means to rejoice that God has come in his redemptive power. Let's pray in thankfulness to God. Father, we thank you for your presence and your glory. And the way we've seen that glory from your word and the way we want to reveal that glory to our world, guide us by your truth. Guide us into the fullness of what it means to grow in grace. For it's not enough just to celebrate that you have come, but you have changed our lives by that coming. And we rejoice. We are yours. May this week bring opportunity to impact others with the good news that we have received. We love you. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. God bless you. Have a great day and a wonderful Christmas week.